This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Creativity is a muscle with which we can flex. And I really think it is, you know, it's like it takes practice and it takes flex and it takes movement. I think we're all so much more creative than we give ourselves credit for and also that we practice. We, we barely scratch the surface. We've got so much more to give, I think, all of us if we play around with that creative muscle, you know? This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Dan Kennedy, and he is a celebrity photographer based in London, and honestly, he's just a really cool guy to chat with. He was an open book and talked about what it is like to photograph celebrities such as Whoopi Goldberg and Angelina Jolie, and to have corporate clients like the BBC and Nikon. Dan is someone you can really learn a lot from, and you can just tell he is someone who genuinely wants other photographers to succeed. Okay, let's get started with Dan Kennedy. Hey, Dan. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? Hey, Nikki. I'm great, thanks. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, where are you calling in from? From London, England. Oh, nice, nice. Were you born and raised there? I wasn't actually. No, I was actually born in Cornwall, um, right over in the, the, the West Country. But yeah, I've spent kind of the last 20 years or so in London. So yeah. Oh, all right. Very cool. And is that where you kind of built your business was in London? Yeah, I mean, I originally uh, grew up in uh, way over in the east. So I was born in the west, and then grew up way over in the east in Norfolk, UK, which is kind of uh, it's a very flat county. It's the part of the UK that sort of sticks out on the end, and it's um, yeah. I ended up working for my local newspaper there, so it was where I oh, kind of cut cool. my teeth, and then I moved around a little, and then I ended up kind of moving to London when I was like twenty, twenty two, twenty three, something like that. So I've been in London like twenty years. So it's kind okay. of home, I guess, really. Yeah. Well, the reason I was asking too, well, one, because I'm interested, but also is it seems like most of the, the celebrity photographers that I've interviewed are like New York, you know, like you have to be in New York or something to be a celebrity photographer. So I'm, I'm interested to see just how, you know, how you made this work and, you know, doing it from the UK and yeah, this will be cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and I guess, um, I mean, I'm working for an LA client next week actually, but, um, but generally, 
Obviously, we have our own kind of UK-based celebrities, and then also there's a need for celebrity photography from US clients in in the UK. So for a couple mm-hmm. of people, you know, like for Hollywood Reporter, I do a few shoots for them occasionally, and they kind of, when they need someone in the UK, you know, often they call me, and similar with Billboard and a, a magazine and a few other magazines, so and a few private clients as well. So yeah, we have kind of two things going on. We have the, you know, we have our own scene, I guess, with our own kind of British celebrities, and then we also have the demand for US celebrities who who are currently in the UK so they kind of maybe sometimes pick up the phone to me and give me a call you know oh yeah that makes sense so it sounds like it sounds like your business is kind of twofold one for celebrity portraits and two for editorial work for like you said billboard and hollywood reporter that sort of thing yeah so there's kind of two sides to what I do I guess editorial and advertising so my editorial clients are people like um uh, Hollywood Reporter, Billboard, a couple of magazines here in the UK, the Saturday and Sunday Times magazine, where we do a lot of celebrity portraiture, and then commercial clients. So I work for people like Disney, Estee Lauder, Marks and Spencers, one of our big oh, okay. stores over here. So yeah, so I'm either kind of doing something often pretty creative for an editorial client, and then if I'm not doing that, then I'll be working for a commercial client where sometimes there's less creativity, but there'll be there'll be a lot more people on set, and there'll be kind of uh, probably a bit more pressure to a certain extent and mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. also a lot more budget so we'll be working on something that maybe has gone through a lot of different chats to get to the stage that we're at and there'll be you know a lot of different people involved and um, having their opinion of the end results whereas but maybe we'll, you know I might be paid 10 times more to do that commercial shoot than to do an editorial shoot so the editorial shoot often there's a lot of creative freedom from my end you know I can sometimes choose the location I can have a big input into the look and feel of the shots. Um, I can be a lot more kind of free and say, hey, do you know what? Let's run outside the studio and let's go down, let's walk down the street and get some great shots there. Whereas on the commercial shoot, you know, maybe there's been 15 mood boards and they decided they wanted the blue background and then they changed to the gray. And when they changed to the gray, then that's it. We're just, you know, we ain't running down the street at at short notice for them. We're kind (laughs) of, we're we're shooting against the gray, the specific tone of gray. And that's that. So, yeah. So, I mean, both really enjoyable, you know, but both take different kind of skill sets to a certain extent, you know, but it's nice to have that kind of variation, you know, you kind of need the more advertising stuff to kind of pay the bills to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And then it's often Mm -hmm. the editorial stuff, which will be more portfolio stuff. And these days, Instagram stuff as well, you know, so you're showing your more creative work there. And, you know, it's often the more commercial type stuff, which can help you know, fund some of the other work as well, you know? Right, right. Very cool. Now, when you first started out as a photographer, is this what you had your sights set on doing what you do now? Well, that's a good question, actually. Um, I don't think so initially. So I, I, when I was like 18 years old, I got a job in my local newspaper in Norfolk and I was a runner. I just had to kind of, we had like an internal post system and I was like this kind of green kind of clueless 18 year old very young for my (laughs) age and I was kind of running around this newsroom it was a newspapers were really kind of big and powerful in the UK well all over the world but particularly in the UK at that time so I I kind of got this job just kind of as being like the kind of the gopher I guess and I was super interested in photography and I um 
I managed to hustle and get myself a pass to um, the local live music venue. And then I kind of befriended the people in the dark room at the newspaper. And I, I did a deal so I, uh, where they would give me free film because it was shooting on film in return for me giving them photos from the, the live music events. And I loved music and, and still love music. So it was, uh, so I kind of cut my teeth by hustling and just getting myself into the, into the local music venue. And any time there was kind of, you know, a concert, I would, you know, smile sweetly to the people in the dark room, get some free film, run down to the venue, take some shots, uh, and then give them those shots to the to the paper for free. And they had like a music page, and they would then okay. publish my shots. So that was my first taste of getting my first work published, which felt, you know, it felt really kind of powerful and, and amazing for me, really, um, to do that, to see my name written underneath the, the, the photograph was super, yeah, that, that was super inspiring. And that really led me um yeah to kind of push forward and continue because I was still just a runner at that time so I was probably mm-hmm. 18 yeah maybe 19 years old and photographing bands on stage is a you know a real discipline as well when you're using film uh you know the light is going all over the place you're having to sometimes you'd be getting pushed and shoved because people are like hey right. get out of my way this is my favorite <laughs> band and I paid loads of money to get this ticket as a, some damn photographer get out of the way you know, and, you know so, so yeah t- tricky times but great, great learning, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so so you knew though pretty young that photography was your thing, like. I did. I did a course in like yeah, architecture yeah. at college and I just sat and looked out the window, to be honest with you, Nikki. I just looked at the <laughs> wind like the trees and it was just, I just kind of, it was just wasn't for me. You know, we were having to learn about bricklaying and measuring and it was just, I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's tricky. It, it's tricky. Those, I found those years where your men are choose your kind of life career really tricky. I didn't love school especially. Mm-hmm. Same, same. You are really right. Yeah. And then, and then once I had this opportunity and did my little bit of hustling I was like whoa okay I love this I'm really onto something now so that was the kind of that was when things started really yeah yeah that's awesome I was the same I stared I I have a master's in social work and I swear I I thought I was interested in it but I stared out the window all the time too school (laughs) not my thing yeah so that's cool though that at such a young age you found your passion you knew what you wanted to do like I love it I love it that's very cool but I mean obviously as as a teenager or even not even as an adult to see your name in in the newspaper and just photographing these cool bands like that's really awesome but i'm assuming that didn't necessarily pay the bills at that time oh no i mean i was paid like a real low wage just to do my job it was all it, it, it was like to do the to do the running job i can't remember what I kind of remember how little they were paying us, but it was it was hardly anything, you know. It's kind of like mm-hmm. I was, I, it was like in my year off before I knew what I was kind of going to do. Really, so yeah, there was no money changed hands for the use of the pictures, and I was paid like the real, just basic wage to do the news desk running job. So yeah, um, and then I went to London and did a photography course, and uh, during the last term of the photography course, the the boss at the newspaper phoned me and said hey listen one of the one of the photographers is retiring which means there's like a proper staff photographer's job is coming available you know are you interested and I was uh, kind of best day of my life I was like oh my god you know so I quit (laughs) I quit a little bit early my photography course and I I carried on doing it but by just traveling to and from London just to kind of complete it and um and so yeah I got my kind of first paid job and it was amazing they gave me like all my camera gear so like two camera bodies and a big uh, Billingham oh, camera bag and like three to four lenses and two flash guns and I got a company car and I was like uh, I, you know I was able to go wow. to like the grocery 
grocery store and buy whatever I wanted. You know, it was like, it was amazing, you know? So yeah, that was, that was a great moment. You know, Dan, I'm wondering if the reason that that editor or was it, I think you said the editor of the newspaper reached out to you is because you did all of that work, uh, you know, shooting the bands and giving the photos for free. And they, they knew your work ethic and your work and everything. Like it's, it's like you went out on a limb to show them who you were and they were like, Hey, a position's up. We want Dan. Is that how it went? So yeah, absolutely. I I think uh, what happened was because they'd seen the photo director had seen the way I I worked and the, the he'd seen how I'd uh, photographed the the live bands and stuff and and then got them published. I think uh, he knew how serious I was about it. So I, I think that's probably why he picked up the phone and said, "Listen, come down for an interview." And it wasn't really an interview. He just kind of you know showed me the ropes of of what what it would be like to do the job kind of for real. And I, and I think he could see from my face and knew um, from from my kind of previous dedication doing the the music photographs that I was gonna you know give this my all so yeah definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know not that we expect people to work for free or whatever you know and sometimes that does help but if you can show people something about what you do or how you work or you know do things for people it's gonna stand out like if you just reached out to, to that editor and was like oh can I pick your brain or buy you a cup of coffee he's not even gonna no not happening but because you did what you did, he's going to remember you. And sometimes it means really just putting yourself out there amongst a sea of other people and showing them, like, what are you going to do for them? How are you going to help them? Because they're more likely to do something for you in return when you are giving them something. Doesn't, do you think so? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see it now with incoming mail and things like, you know, makeup artists or stylists who just send a generic mail saying like, you know, hey, I'm around. I'm not really working much. Let us know if you yeah. have anything going on. We just, they just get sent straight, straight into the trash, unfortunately. Yeah. But then once in every 30 or 40, you'll have someone that will say, hey, Dan, I really like the cover of the Sunday Times magazine that you shot last week with, you know, whoever it may have been. Really nice shot. Um, listen, let me just introduce myself you know my name's carol and we haven't worked together before but i'm a freelance makeup artist absolutely love your stuff love to collaborate with you in the future if there was ever any possibility that will get a star Mm -hmm. put on it and put to pretty much the top of the pile you know and next time someone says hey who can we work with makeup artist wise we'll probably give carol a call so it's those little things and i think you know you can give help make your own luck a a bit by by being a bit like that it's amazing how many cold faceless emails we get from everyone from you know everyone on the teams really from stylists to makeup artists to assistants you know so I think just when you addressing someone by name referencing something that mm-hmm. you've seen do recently and then just you know keep in touch with them that way I think that makes a massive difference you know totally totally making it personal like I'll get emails where it's like dear and then it'll be the at symbol Nikki oh, Closser. <laughs> and I'm like okay <laughs> spam you know trash and it yeah. could be a legitimate person who's trying it but I'm just like nope not happening so mm-hmm. So yeah, when you're reaching out to someone, I'm just, you know, for people listening, when you're reaching out to someone, make it personal. Don't make it about what you want them to do for you. What can you do for them? And and how can you connect with them in a personal way? It's so important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Nikki. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got that first gig and you're like, hell yes, you know, company car, the whole nine. 
what happened from there? Like, how did how did you go from that to photographing like Angelina Jolie and Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg? You know, <laughs> so three years at the local paper. At the local paper, you're starting at the bottom. It's like man stubs his toe on the sidewalk. You go around, you see the man, you see the poor toe where he hurt himself. You photograph the bit of sidewalk where the incident happened. You know, mm-hmm. poor little Susie that can't go to ballet school. You photograph Susie holding up the ballet shoes, looking sad. You know, you do you do everything. <laughs> you also make all your mistakes at that time we were shooting film so you forget to load film oh my god I've just covered a football match at the local football club and I forgot to load my film you feel all hot inside and then slightly sick you will never forget to load film again so so (laughs) the local paper is a great place to make your first few mistakes get your fingers burnt and never do it again the local paper is like fire at the local hotel. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, Doris and Don who've been together for 200 years, go and do some shots of them, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a great place to learn. I was shooting five different jobs a day, shooting on film and then processing the film myself by hand and then scanning the film and then um, uh, sending the film by motorcycle career over into the head office. So it kind of seems so retro now. So I It did does. Pre- it's funny it, it, listening to it. It really to does. It. It's amazing. I'm sounding yeah. old by even mentioning film. Well, no, I, I I started on film way back. Well, you know, I had film classes in high school and whatever. So I'm I hear you, but yeah, uh, yeah for people who who don't know that what that was like, I'm just picturing like the motorcycle guy. Like, please don't crash with my film right now. Yeah. As you know, like we had so there were so many more risks involved. Right. It's like oh right. my gosh, it's so different now. Yeah, yeah, so different now, isn't it? And I think just seeing things immediately digitally, you know, it, it's crazy. It's uh, yeah, it has changed so much, so much. So, so yeah, I did three years there, and then I wanted to move to like that in the main head office, which was in the. I was they put me in like an outpost in this kind of downtrodden seaside town, and I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to be in the main city, and the boss said to me, "Oh, that's dead man's shoes," which means someone needs to die or leave before a, an opening happens. And so I quit, and I. I went to work for a news agency. So I moved to like 200 miles away uh, to a new city. And I worked for a news agency, which was a lot faster moving. And we were working for the national papers. So anything that would happen in that part of the UK, we would cover it. So if it was like a light aircraft crash or even a portrait of a GP for um, one of the kind of broadsheet Sunday newspapers, we would cover that. So that was kind of a lot more, a bit more serious. There was no scope to to kind of muck up there. No forgetting to load your film, but great great discipline. So I did that for kind of 18 months. And then I, I took a real deep breath. I took out like a 15,000 pound loan on credit to buy some cameras, the first digital cameras. And I took out a 15,000 pound car loan at the same time on credit. So, uh, so I did mm-hmm. those on the same day at the same time, kind of had two fingers on keyboards, press go, <laughs> so the two credit agreements worked. I, I took a deep breath and I went down to London on my own with no guarantee of work. And when I look back now, I think, God, that's actually reasonably brave. You know, I was kind of mm-hmm. riddled with debt and no one had said, yes, absolutely, we'll guarantee you work. So, but I guess I was like 20, I don't know, 22, 23, something like that. And and yeah, I just, I just thought I'm going to go for it. I didn't want to be staying working in, for the news agency anymore. So I went down to London. I bought bought two um, Nikon D1s, which was like Nikon's. Uh, it wasn't their absolute first digital camera, but it was. I think it was, the, it was the first kind of main commercial one. It was like a two megapixel digital camera, I think. And it was like 
£4,000 is like sort of $6,000 for each camera body. And the pictures that came out out of it were pretty horrible. They were like flat and orange and you had to kind of meddle around to try and get rid of this orange color cast. But that was the first time you weren't processing film. You know, you could just take the card out of the camera and, you know, people would kind of stop on the street and be like, oh my God, what magic are you performing? You know, (laughs) so so yeah, so I was then in London and I kind of hustled in London and I worked as a newspaper photographer I worked for, um, for, for one of our main newspapers, the Times newspaper, and then the Sun, which is one of more of our tabloid uh, type newspapers. And they sent me all over the world. I was kind of like a, a news kind of documentary photographer, I guess. So I did that for three years, photographing like our then prime minister outside Downing Street. I got sent to California to photograph British and American troops training side by side. I got sent to Australia to photograph the first series of a of a show that we have over here called uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which was a, a big success. So I spent a month I've, in Australia. I heard of that. That's funny. Did you hear yeah. of that? Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you eat bugs and uh, stuff and you camp out, all, all of these kind of things. So, yeah, so um, <laughs> so that, that, was, that was a great experience. And, and, you know, I'd used, I guess it's important to say, you know, all the skills I learned at the local paper, fire at the local hotel, you know, kind of do the poor little Susie can't go to ballet school. All of that taught me so much. So I learned so much in those first three years and then loads at the agency for two years. So by the time I came down to London, that's a busy cutthroat environment. You've got a lot of really great documentary and news photographers and you're in competition with them. I was just mm-hmm. phoning around every day saying, hey, you got any shifts going? You know, we were paid 120 pounds, like $160 a day to do the shift. And so your phone would ring at six o'clock in the morning and they would give you your your jobs for the day and you'd go off around and, and do those. So it was um, super exciting. I traveled kind of all over the world doing that and really enjoyed it. And then I just made a decision that I didn't want to be sort of like fat and 50 on my stepladders, you know, outside um, Buckingham Palace, you know, with another 50 photographers. So (laughs) I, um, I, I actually met an agent who she looked after some celebrities and I did a job for one of the newspapers for her. And then she called me directly and said, could you do like a celebrity photo shoot for me? So I was super nervous, but I did that job for her. And then I decided at that point that I was going to kind of move more into kind of studio-based kind of portraiture and that kind of stuff. But I did everything in a a weird kind of way. Like the agent said, listen, I've got a really big job. I can't tell you much about it. It's in Miami. So I need you to fly with us to Miami and then I'll tell tell you what it is so with the film cameras on board um because we they wanted us to shoot in large form bigger format anyway so mm-hmm. um we flew to Miami and it was to photograph Rachel Hunter who used to be Rod Stewart's um mm-hmm. wife and she was going to be the face of a new kind of swimwear lingerie brand so it was to shoot the kind of the campaign pictures for that and I was massively out of my depth you know I, I sort of I took an assistant with me and I was you know so nervous arriving jet lagged in Miami you know wondering how to remind myself how to load film into this Mamiya RZ camera (laughs) I was just like oh my god but sometimes you have to kind of just do that I had this great assistant with me and he was uh, super helpful and 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 we just kind of you know we flew by the seat of our pants I guess and we made it happen and in the end, the client was pleased with the shots. And so that was, a, you know, kind of a, a key moment for me moving out of news photography and into the kind of world of celebrity photography, really. Okay. So once you once you got that one gig, did it kind of snowball from there? Like, did that agent 
or was it an agent? You said someone reached out to you. you yeah. Say? So she was, yeah, absolutely. She, she represented yeah, okay. a few different celebrities. And so, okay. and I'd met her while doing a newspaper job. And then she, she sort of thought, I like you. I think I can kind of trust you come to Miami mm-hmm, on the secret mm-hmm. job. And I did that. So she then continued to use me. And at that time it was a big explosion in the need of celebrity photography. So Initially, we only had a couple of magazines here in the UK. And within a couple of years, there was more like 20 magazines. It was just the the real growth phase of celebrity magazines with loads of celebrity portraits. So I was suddenly really busy um, just working for lots of different magazines and doing a mixture of studio and location shoots. Yeah, that was um, an awesome time, really. I'd learned enough just about by doing a few studio jobs while I was still doing newspaper stuff. I'd learned just enough about lights. I bought my own two little Bowens lights and two softboxes, and I just kind of started very simply. And I was always able to use an assistant. There was always budget for an assistant. So I never worked as an assistant myself. I just hired good assistants and then kind of in a roundabout way, sort of learn from them as well as learning on my own. So it's a, it's a kind of strange way to do it really, but yeah, it kind of, yeah, that's cool though. Just about kind of made it, made it work like that. So yeah. And, and it was busy. My phone was ringing a lot. So I had a lot of, um, yeah, I had a lot of time to go do a shoot, look at it, think how I could have made it better and then improve. And I also used to, and still do study a lot of photographs, you know, I did loads of, did then and still do now loads of research and uh, screen grabbing photographs, putting them into a folder and then just putting aside time to go through and look at them and think, well, how's that done? You know, is that, mm-hmm. what, was that a grid set they used on there? I don't know. Maybe they've, have they bounced the sun with a piece of mirror? Maybe is that what's happening or, you know, wow, I wonder how they get this kind of effect. So reverse engineering, really, you know, I still do that now to a certain extent, you know, look at pictures and think, I wonder what's happened there. And then I'll go and try that myself. So here I am kind of 20 years down the line, still, you know, still doing the same thing to a certain extent. I think it's really important for, you know, everyone listening as well, just to do that, to set aside time for creative image research. You know, you're not plagiarizing here. You're just looking at photographs, which really inspire you. And then taking maybe technical elements from some of them and then practicing that yourself and you'll put Mm -hmm. your own stamp and style on it and that will help you improve, you know. Totally. To learn and grow. Like if you, if you think that you know it all, like, no, Mm-mm. <laughs> that's not a good, Absolutely. not a good mindset to have. Like we have the portrait masters awards and accreditation program. And sometimes people will say like, you know, how do I get up to a silver award or to a gold or whatever? And it's like, go back and look at the silvers and golds and study them right. and look at how they might've done it. But yeah, it's, it's like, we all draw inspiration from everywhere and that's okay. Like like you said, as long as you're not plagiarizing the image, it is so, so, so important to look around you and look at other people's work and everything just to continue to grow. Absolutely. I have something on my desktop called a reference folder, and I've had that for years. And it has got all manner of shots in it. You know, you would laugh at some of the pictures in that reference folder. I have like a candy wrapper in there because it's a certain shade of deep purple. You know how you can kind of look through a candy wrapper? It's almost like gel, that kind of color, like a like a lighting gel. And that's just in there because I love that exact shade of purple. I also have in there randomly, like it looks like just some pixels, but, and I think it is actually a screen grab of some pixels, but there are a certain shade of green and a certain shade of red 
red. And there's something about those two colors, that pairing of that green and red. I will use that in a shoe. I will have some flats made in a studio with it, that exact green in. And then I will get the stylist to find a dress that's exactly that red color. And that will be the inspiration I take away from that. You know, I also mm-hmm. have a picture mm-hmm. of like the streets of Soho in central London in the rain where the neon lights from the storefronts are reflected into the puddles. And I'll use that at some point. I haven't used it yet, but that just really struck a chord with me. So I have all these random, you know, screen grabs, which some of them are color references, some of them are mood references, you know, some of them are contrast references. And and anytime somebody calls and says, hey, are you free to shoot X or are you free to shoot Y? I'll go through that reference folder and I will find some sources of inspiration and I will kind of, you know, put the coffee pot on and then I will just kind of dream up some ideas. But with that will really help me formulate some ideas. That's just kind of the way it's the way my my mind works. You know, I've got a friend yeah, who yeah. is a I have a friend who's a material designer. She works in Paris and designs material for a lot of the top fashion houses. And she says to me, Dan, you know, my ideas for me are like a tap that I can't drip turn off like a, a faucet that just keeps dripping. And she said, sometimes she wakes at night and she's just, these ideas are flowing. And, you know, for me, sometimes it couldn't be more difficult. It couldn't be more different. You know, it, it, it's like Jupiter needs to be in alignment with Saturn and there needs to be a little bit of breeze from the <laughs> East just for me to even have a half an idea, you know, and then other times I'll feel really creative. So I think we're all different. You know, I mentor a few photographers actually, and something I say to them is creativity is a muscle with which we can flex and I really think it is you know it's like it takes yeah. practice and it takes it takes flex so it takes movement I think we're all so much more creative than we give ourselves credit for and also that we practice we we barely scratch the surface we've got so much more to give I think all of us if we play around with that creative muscle you know Definitely. And and one thing I really love, I was looking through your Instagram and I noticed that you include behind the scenes. So like I'm looking at, there's one where it's a, a magazine cover, Emma Barnett, a journalist that you photographed and you, and you put the behind the scenes and it's cool to see just, you know, and, and there's a, a magazine spread too here that I see that you, for, let's see, women in home magazine, it looks like. And you show the behind the scenes there. And it's really cool. It's nice because it's some people really hold on to that and would never give away how they shoot or how they do it. But I like that you're willing to do that. I do that on my Instagram too. Not that, I mean, whatever, I'm just a regular portrait photographer, but I, I like to show people how I do it because that's how you learn. Yeah. And I want to help other people learn and grow and get better. That's the whole point. So it's cool that you do that. Of course it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if I show you exactly how I shot something in that example, you gave the Emma, the Emma Barnett one, what we actually did was we went outside and we used two kind of V flats Mm -hmm. and built like a little box. uh, And then we, we, we shot with daylight. But if you took what I've showed there and you went and did something yourself, it would probably look a little different. So it doesn't matter too much, does it? But I think it, I think, you know, Instagram's become really powerful tool for us all, but, but for me, um, very much so as well, you know, often we're getting vetted via Instagram, um, you know, and, and getting Mm -hmm. down to the last two or three, uh, photographers and then often winning the, winning the job. And all of that has taken place via Instagram, which is kind of crazy to think really. So I think if you can humanize it a bit and show some behind the scenes, I think that really helps, helps personalize it a little bit, you know? Definitely. That's a great point. 
Yeah. That, that that's such a good point Dan because it's not only for like big, you know, magazines or celebrity agents or whatever, but even just for typical clients if you can show those behind the scenes and humanize it like you said, it's going to be like, "Oh, okay. I I might be able to do that if you make it relatable to these clients that you want to book with the behind the scenes. I I feel like that can help you so much with booking." Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. They can see how everything's happening. It just gives them more to learn about you as well, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's super mm-hmm. powerful. And I think we, we get a lot of great feedback from doing that. I know loads of other people do that. I think it's just become, you know, the norm for a certain amount of photographers, really, you know, yeah, yeah. That. You know, speaking of Instagram and really just social media in general, I'm curious what you think about this. Do you think that because of social media and because of celebrities posting so many photos of themselves, has there been a change for the need for celebrity photographers or, or is that, is it just that maybe the paparazzi isn't needed as much anymore because celebrities are like, here I am on my social, social media. Like I'm just over the last, God, when did social media start? How old am I? Let's see. I'm (laughs) almost 44 and social media, let's be my first Facebook. I don't know. Let's say 15 years over the last 15 years. Have you seen a shift in, in the need for it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we had, I mean, I'm sure you guys did in the US, but here in the UK, as I said, we had this real explosion in in celebrity magazines that were just really about, you know, uh, yeah, celebrities' lives. Initially, we just had two magazines, pretty much, uh, Hello Magazine and OK Magazine. And then within the space of a year, we had all these other ones, you know, Hello, OK, Reveal, Look, Love It, Take a Break, you know, all of these different magazines, um, Now Magazine, New Magazine, just there were just there was like twenty, you know, it, it was unbelievable, and our phones were kind of ringing like mad, and uh, and so there was that kind of big explosion, and then that's kind of we've kind of come down the other side of that now. So yeah, it's um, there's definitely much less of a need than there was kind of fifteen years ago, but I think it's different as well. There's still you know we're still really busy doing a mixture of commercial and editorial. We still work for a handful of great magazines who still demand it and still want to produce really nice, strong portraiture and great uh, great celebrity-based shoots. And also some endorsements. I was just speaking to Sketches, the sneaker brand, uh, yesterday on a Zoom call, and we're going to be working with them with a UK celebrity in the next few weeks. You know, So there's still endorsement tie-ups and things like that. But it, it, right. it definitely and, has, yeah, it definitely yeah, has yeah. changed. I think you make a really valid point and an interesting one about Instagram and the celebrity posting the picture. You know, here in London, you would drive past, you know, uh, you know, some of our famous hotels like Claridge's or something like that. And there would be 30 paparazzi photographers outside and, you know, waiting for, you know, waiting for someone to come out. And now that whoever that person may be, you know, they they post an Instagram picture of them in their amazing dress in the gorgeous hotel suite. And there's no need then to have you know, the paparazzi photographs of the much less need. So I think that that's, that's massively changed. And I'm sure the world Mm -hmm. of paparazzi photography has probably changed forever as a result of that. Yeah. So it's really, yeah, for sure. sure. Well, okay. So if someone out there really just, if they wanted their path to be doing exactly what you're doing, it sounds like working for a newspaper for sure was so, so, so important to you, not only to learn how to shoot on the fly and learn, you know, different scenarios and just to go through the whole practice and everything, but just for the experience in general, but is there anything else that you would recommend for people to do to just try and like get their first break or to, you know, how do you build a portfolio of celebrities when you don't have any to shoot? Like, you know, just, just any advice to help people kind of grow that part? 
of their business. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we get a lot of people contacting us saying, you know, hey, you know, got a, little, a lot of people contacting me personally saying, I want to do exactly what you do, you know, and mm-hmm, uh, it's mm-hmm. taken 20 years to do what I do. And a, a lot of, you know, kind of blood, sweat, tears, hard work to get there mm-hmm. along the way. But everybody has a has a chance to do this. And I think um, there's some great ways in which you can give yourself a good shot. We mentioned earlier about contact, how, how we even contact people and being personal and referencing Mm -hmm. great work that they've done and following up with people that's a really great thing to do in terms of working out your goals with the photographers that I mentor actually we I often say you know during our sort of first session I say if we were sitting here in two years you know and you were living your dream week right now what would it look like and then they tell me and then I say well why aren't you doing that now and they often say well confidence is often a big one and not necessarily having the tools to make it happen so I think what the answer really is to is to work out uh, what your dream working working week would look like and Mm -hmm. then you know if that was to be you know let's just say for you know your dream working week would be to be doing a portrait for a great magazine, say Variety or Entertainment Weekly or something on the Monday, and then you were doing like a private shoot for a clothing brand on the Thursday, then great. So how does your how is your work at the moment? How does it align with that? You know, if um if if you want to be doing amazing celebrity portraiture, you know, in hotel rooms and that kind of thing, then then how can you start to shoot some stuff that that would appeal to those kind of magazines. I think that's that's really important as well. You know, yeah. if you like GQ magazine, you know, which is kind of you know great male fashion and male portraiture, then cool, get a really good looking guy who's a model or a friend, or do a shout out, you know, and then do a shoot that's in the style of that. So use late afternoon sun and see if you could borrow an old car, or see if you could, you know, if your neighbour has a bit of a vintage car, and then shoot at the golden hour and get the guy sitting on the floor. You you know, smoking a cigar or whatever it might be, and 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 think about those shots being in the style of the magazine that you want, if it was GQ or whatever it might be, and then you can submit those shots and just say, you know, hey, listen, you know, here's some recent work. I just wanted to keep you up to date with what I'm doing. So, yeah, you know, sometimes it's going to feel like you're knocking kind of on on dead doors, but awareness is is a real powerful thing. And often, you know, I think people, the stats that people look at, the emails and websites and stuff are so low. I think it's something like 1.9 seconds is the average time on a on a website. You know, yes. so you, you think it's so so small, but actually you know, that's still some visibility. And then when you contact someone three months later and show them another great piece of work, then, you know, they might remember that you were the same person. You were the same girl that sent them something amazing three months ago, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Mm -hmm. it's like another touch point, really. We're after getting these touch points up as high as possible, really, to then be able to hopefully get put ourselves in in the exact position to get a kind of lucky break, you know. And there's yeah. lesser magazines than than those ones as well. There's, you know, there's things further down the line that might be easier to use to get your foot in the door. So it's tough, but I think it's totally doable. And I think the, the best way is to align your work, align the stuff that you're shooting to be in the style of the clients you want. You know, if there's a great crazy dress brand they make amazing dresses or amazing t-shirts cool well you know shoot something that's really cool that's in the style of the sort of thing that they would want and then send them off to them and say hey i absolutely love your brand i just wanted to share some recent work with you i think uh, what's really common is people showing 
client's work which is just not the right fit at all and then mm-hmm. the client the client is just you know they 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 they're kind of slightly annoyed that you haven't done your research really you know oh yeah that's that's so important i i have another podcast i kind of took a break from it called busy as a mother oh. and i have only female guests at this point it's all about being an entrepreneur mom and then i'll have someone reach out and be like you know, it's like a dude and he's like, yeah, I want to like promote my sneakers or something. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'm like, do you even know what I do? Nothing to do with what I, you know, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. But, but, yeah. But that's really, really great advice. It, it, it really is. And again, I can, it's like whether it is celebrity clients or agencies or whatever, it's all the same, whether it's just the everyday, you know, next door neighbor who wants photos, it's the same thing. Like show what you want to shoot. Really, it's the same. It's the same concept. So yeah, that's interesting for sure. And then, okay, so I I wanted to bring this up. I think sometimes this happens. Well, often it happens. I think maybe there is the idea that celebrities kind of expect you just to do it for exposure. Like I can't tell you how many times I've gotten emails from someone like, "Let's collaborate." I have such and such following, and you know, you would get like exposure to my audience of blah blah blah. And if you're first starting out in your portfolio building, like okay. Yeah, that might make sense for you. That might help you to build your portfolio. But if you're someone who's already established, do celebrities expect you to do all of this for exposure, quote unquote, or for free? Uh, no, they they don't. And I think that's you know that, that's that's no good anyway. Really, celebrities most of the time are turning over great money. So mm-hmm. why should it be that you're doing anything for free? We we do rarely get approached for collaborations for free, and um, it's kind of it's it's always a no. You know, we have yeah. a couple of there's a couple of groups, various photography groups here in the UK, and whenever anyone is seeking something like that, it gets kind of posted and named and shamed on the group. There was a it's like an outdoor association for i think wales or part of the part of the uk and they they sort of said um oh you know it's kind of like a competition so you paid a small fee to enter and then you take some shots of the countryside and then uh, actually what you didn't realize in the small print is that they they own the rights to those shots and they use all of them to help them promote you know whatever it is they're promoting so i think you know that we we often kind of hear stories like that here in the uk and and stuff but in terms of celebrities asking, no, not so much. They, they're generally pretty good. We sometimes get contacted by the agent of a celebrity who wants to do like a, a shoot where we have, where we block out a whole day and we shoot a lot of different material that can be used for media. So we might shoot against a red wall and then a blue wall and then a blue couch and then, you know, on a rooftop and then in the basement. And then we're changing outfits six or seven times. And then they want to do a deal with the rights to those photographs so that they can then use them and give them out to media. They want to do that so that so, so that they can control the shots a bit more. That happens quite a lot. And it works quite well, really. So we negotiate a good fee with the agent. And then we shoot maybe 10 different shots of the celebrity that day. And then every time they ha- there's a, an article or an interview with the celebrity, they hand out one of their own shots rather than allowing a photo shoot to take place. So it's okay. bringing the control back to the celebrity. And we do get that quite a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you have built yourself a really amazing career. And you said you you mentor other photographers. Is it just, you know, to do kind of what you do or how how does that work? 
Yeah, well, I'm, I actually got asked to fill in on a photo workshop a couple of years ago, and I did it, and I actually really enjoyed it. And then there was like a line of people at the end. I, I was like, any questions, anyone? No, no questions? <laughs> okay. And I'm packing up my things, and then vroom, there's like this line, uh, because no one wanted to answer, ask a question in front of anyone else. Right. <laughs> and and uh, can I just ask you, can I just ask you, so randomly, that was the kind of, that was how the kind of mentoring side of things was kind of sort of born, I suppose. Yeah, you know, about I suppose about six or seven years ago, things were going great, but there was a lot of peaks and troughs in what I was doing. And, you know, I'd get a call and get a great commission in and then, uh, and then nothing would happen for a little while. And then another call would come in and it was like this kind of roller coaster ride, really. So I did a Mm -hmm. lot of, I did a lot of kind of research really and worked out how I could kind of knock off those peaks and troughs and make my kind of working life a lot sort of smoother, really. And um, I kind of did it really. I, I made quite a lot of changes and, yeah, I, I worked a lot on time management and looking at how I was running myself. Photographers generally don't run themselves very well as business people. So I was just a kind of, you know, you're you're barely running a business. You're kind of just this solopreneur, really, who just reacts when the phone rings. So I put a whole load of kind of systems into place. And like my working life is so much better as a result. And so that's some of the stuff that we work with people on the mentor scheme. So I have a handful of people. Um, I have about 10 people who are on the mentoring scheme. So yeah, they're just, they're just great photographers from all different walks of life who, who are, they're, they're either just about to quit their day job and want to go full-time as a photographer, or they're all already earning a living from photography, but they're just kind of stuck at some of the key areas I was stuck at. So because I've been doing it 20 years, I guess I can kind of impart my knowledge onto them. And it's kind of super exciting for me as well. I have like yeah, they're, they're all really varied. I've got a brilliant music photographer from Manchester. I've got a fantastic photographer who's actually a really successful businessman in his own right, who owns a whole load of hair salons. And he's been the other side of the camera for years and just woke yeah. up, you know, woke up one morning and was like, I want to be a photographer. And so he kind of tracked me down and was like, tell me everything you know. So it's really interesting for me working with him. He's already very astute in business, but he's a lot more lacking on the kind of the technical and systems side. So, you know, I think accountability is one of the biggest things that people use me for on the mentor scheme. And and in fact, you know, it's like I sometimes say to them, you know, you wake up on a Tuesday morning, it's kind of it's drizzling with rain outside. You know, you're you're standing in your bedroom. You're holding a, a cup of coffee, and you're looking out of the window. And what do you do? You think, oh, I know, I'll update the website. And then you think, no, 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 I'm going to do the invoicing today. Actually, do you know what? I don't feel that great. I'm just going to call a friend and go for a coffee. You know. And what do you do? It's like there's no system in place for most people. So most photographers are very reactive rather than proactive. So we get great acceleration from people putting a lot of framework into place. And I give them a lot of reading material about how to actually kind of win the day and have a good day. And then they get hold of their time. And once they get hold of their time, they start being a lot more productive. And then they've kind of got me tapping them on the shoulder saying hey listen you know did you go did you go next door and knock on the neighbor's door and say you know say can you photograph the you know their son in the garden in daylight or 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 did you actually you know go to a junkyard and hire a a compressor and some spray paint and spray a whole area of the junkyard with white paint and then get a really cool model and stand her in front of that you know and they're like oh well wow you know so we kind of sort of you know we really push the creativity you know make sure they're not just knocking on the neighbor's door and doing a an easy win portrait in the garden 
garden? You know, what mm-hmm. would this look like? What would this look like if this was difficult? You know, sometimes I say to them, okay, could we go into the centre of London, get two roads closed down, get two rain machines, have a dress made out of feathers and get the model running towards you in the night rain, you know, kind of screaming, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Could we get the, the streets shut down? Yeah, we could. How realistic is it that we would get them shut down? It's not that realistic. So, okay, what, yeah, would, one, right. what would one step easier than that look like? Okay, well, maybe we could, uh, you know, go to the Soho area where the neon lights are reflected in the uh, in the puddles in the street. Maybe we could do some cool portraits there. Is that better than photographing the next door neighbor in the garden in daylight? Yeah, it's much better, you know. So creativity is a muscle with which you can flex, you know, and it's really important to be pushed. And sometimes it's really hard to do that yourself, you know. It's a uh, good when you've got someone like me tapping on your shoulder, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do the 90 day startup challenge and we always encourage them to have an accountability partner and we do check-ins Great. every week because it's, oh, it's so much better when you've got someone there to report to. It's like when I'm doing physical therapy for my shoulder. I know that if I don't do these exercises at home, she's going to know during my next appointment, she's going to be like, um, your shoulder is not moving as much as it should be. Like what's going on. (laughs) And so when you've got someone who is there checking on your, your progress, it makes all the difference. So absolutely. Yeah, that's great that you guys buddy people up. I think that's awesome, you know, and it's it, it's it's kind of a lonely old world out there. A lot of people on the mm-hmm. mental team are saying that, hey, listen, I'm doing great, but I feel kind of on my own. I don't really have one sort of almost module, I suppose, that we do some work on is, is network. And that means who's in your network, you know, as in who is in your kind of friend photographer network who you could mm-hmm. call and say, hey, am I allowed to take these Godox lights on a flight? Or, you know, or, hey, listen, have you ever had a problem with someone that doesn't pay? What do you do about that? Or, hey, do you have a booking form? You know, do you get them to sign anything? You know, it's kind of great when you've got some people to to be able to bounce ideas off and ask those kind of questions. And it is for quite a lot of photographers, you know, can be a bit lonely. So it's important, I think, to try and get into groups and trying to connect with other people. So you've got a few buddies out there, you know? Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. For sure. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I really, really appreciate it. It's been really good to talk to you. Really interesting. And um, yeah, I'm following you now. So I'm excited to see more from you and just look through everything you've done. And yeah, oh, that's cool. so cool. It's so nice to talk to you, Nikki, and, and, and hear about what you guys are up to as well. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I do have a couple more questions. I always ask the same questions at the end of each episode. I almost forgot. Okay, number one is what's something you cannot live without when you're doing a photo shoot? That is a very good question. And the answer <laughs> is music. Music is mm, so important, mm-hmm. super important. It can really control the day. And sometimes I say to the celebrity, hey, what do you want to listen to? And that can really make the difference between me getting some great shots or not, because they're, the music they want put, can put them in a great mood. Some, you know, We always have kind of calm music on as we're building the set, and then as arrivals happen, and then I'm monitoring the situation and you know, asking them what they want to listen to can really, really help. And sometimes we just play like disco quite loud, and that can just work really well. Um, so yeah, music is the one thing I definitely couldn't live without on a shoot. Cool. You're not the first person to say that. A lot of people say oh, really? music. So yeah, oh. yeah. Can I say one more thing as well? Yeah, absolutely. And like a funny little thing made by, I don't do much video, but it's made by someone called Small Rig. Do you know Small Rig? 
I don't. I'll They're like, uh, I think they like they make kind of video tools for stills cameras. Anyway, it's like an expensive screwdriver. It's not that expensive. It was like 30 bucks, but it's to tighten this bolt that allows me to put my camera onto the tripod. And I was forever borrowing knives or finding something to fit in to tighten up this screw. <laughs> I just don't know why I did. I, for 20 years, I haven't had the right tool. And now I've got this lovely little small rig kind of screwdriver thing. And it's just amazing it's got its Sweet. own little pouch and um i can't live without it it's amazing awesome i'm gonna look that up small rigs small Very rig cool. Have a look. yeah i'm gonna send you yeah. a picture of it you can get one too <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome okay number two how do you spend your time when you aren't working great question there is a woman called anna white and i think she's in alaska and she makes everything out of wood She's built her own house out of wood. She's built garden tables and chairs and cots and wow. office furniture, you name it. I just completed like an outdoor couch and um, it's so enjoyable to do. I didn't really know I had any interest in doing anything with wood. And um, because we've been in lockdown here in the UK, I've had a little mm-hmm. more time to be able to do it. So yeah, it's been super fun getting the, getting the kind of cordless screwdriver out and the saw and uh, putting it all together. And then I found somebody to make the cushions and we just took delivery of those yesterday. So just in time for us, uh, the weather here in the UK is starting to get a little warmer now. So uh, yeah, I have my amazing outdoor couch and uh, apparently I seem to be okay at woodwork as well. You know, who knew it? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. People have talked about that, how I guess if there are silver linings to COVID, people have been trying out new activities and just new things and new new stuff so and look Absolutely. at you you built a couch like yeah and, you know cool. I never would have done that before like yeah. never so, and, and exactly. I was aware of her site you know she puts all the plans so she does all the plans and then I think her husband shows you on YouTube how to build them so yeah it's just it's so Neat. different from what I'm normally doing and it's one of those activities where you can kind of you know it's a bit like painting a wall you have the music on or a podcast in the background you know and um, it's just a really nice way to spend a few hours you know Yeah. You know, Dan, I always say like, if I didn't have two little kids, I would be like a professional painter and, you know, woodworker and like all the things, like my excuse that I never learned to do anything new doing COVID is (laughs) because my kids, (laughs) I'm sure I probably wouldn't have done any of those things, but, but I love that. I love when people are using their time to just to learn new things. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay, number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? There's a few that float around, really. One that comes back to me a lot is a Maya Angelou quote, which is, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's a beautiful quote. Yeah, it's, it's good. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Just kind mm-hmm. of keeps me thinking about kind of moving forward and continuing to learn you know we're constantly kind of evolving and learning aren't we you know yeah yeah all right number four what would you say to people who are just getting started and I know you gave some really good advice earlier but if there's anything extra you want to add to that absolutely if you're just getting started a few key things number one don't be discouraged you can do this somebody said to me don't go to London Dan it's too busy there's too many photographers you won't (laughs) make it and I went to London and it kind of worked out for me. So the first thing is, is, you know, if you're feeling passionate about it, 
go for it. And I think you will succeed. Um, try and be as creative as you can as you go along and try and be really amenable as well. Be as client facing as you can. By that, I mean, be really nice to people. Make sure you address people by their proper name. Follow up with people. Have a business card done. Make sure you hand it out when you can. Be a little bit nosy. Be inquisitive. Learn from people whose work you really like and take lots of notes. Um, listen to loads of podcasts. Podcasts, uh, this amazing podcast with Nikki, of course. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I, I think just you know fill yourself with with information and, and keep moving forward and have in your mind that you will get what you want. I think that's really important. You know, anything is achievable. It can be a um, quite a cutthroat world out there uh, in photography, but that's absolutely bears no effect on whether you might be successful or not. I think you've got every chance of being successful. Just work out. roughly where you want to go and make a beeline for it and keep moving in that direction and I think you'll be ultimately successful you know yeah that's fantastic advice absolutely cool well thank you Dan one more question where can people find you online if they're looking for you Oh, sure. Well, follow me on Instagram and I'll follow you back. It's Dan Kennedy Photo. We have the Academy side of things as well, which is Dan Kennedy Academy. We do some workshops here in London. So if anyone is in the UK, come and see us. Uh, We also do the mentoring um, and there's information about that on the Dan Kennedy Academy site. Um, And then my main photography site, which is danielkennedy.com. So yeah, reach out and, um, and keep in touch. Yeah, it'd be good to hear from people. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you again for spending this time with me today. And um, yeah, it was great. I learned a lot. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much, Nikki. It's great to chat. Yeah. Hopefully we'll chat soon. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.